This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Living Country in the City, Episode 4. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. All right, so we are here today for episode four of the Living Country in the City podcast. Uh, we're at the International Sportsman's Expo in Salt Lake City. Uh, if you can tell by the background noise, it's uh, just starting to get busy here. But I am here with Eric Pauly and Michael Burns, uh, president and vice president of Operation Pay It Forward. Uh, this is a fantastic program targeted towards our returning veterans, um, to take them out hunting, really get them off the couch, get them back into a community, back into an awesome, encouraging environment. Uh, so we're here to talk about uh, talk with these guys about this great program. Uh, thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks yeah. for having us, yeah, Sam. We appreciate it. Uh, so let's just start off real simple. Uh, why don't you give me the, the rundown of what Operation Pay It Forward is? So... Operation Pay It Forward is something I started. Um, actually, I was only going to do it just myself, and the original intention was to um, develop a process of individuals taking veterans out into the outdoors and getting them out and making sure that they're healing, whether it be physical or psychological or emotional, and, and getting them um, passionate about something that was positive in their lives. Um, and originally, the idea was just to document that process and provide it for other people to do the same thing. Um, the part that I didn't, and I'm a veteran myself, but the part I did not expect uh, to be as difficult was finding the veterans that need it. So a lot of these guys, you know, there's, and they come back, they, you know, they kind of crawl into a hole. There's not a lot of trust with outsiders, civilians, even other veterans they don't know. So once I realized how difficult that process was, I saw a need to have an actual formal organization. And Mike Burns and I, he was actually the first guy I took out into this program when I was just doing it myself. And we spent a lot of time talking about it and realized that we needed to develop a process for us to actually 
take this as an organization and, and take it to the next level and be able to find and catalog these veterans to bring them in and then be able to find the resources they need. So that's kind of how it started. Um, the pay it forward side of it is, you know, originally it was intended just for civilians and other people to pay it forward to, to uh, military members. Um, but now it's more organized towards uh, veterans actually paying it forward to their brothers and sisters. So a lot of these guys used to have a real purpose in life when they served. What they did meant something. And then when they get out, a lot of them didn't even want to get out. They got medically retired or they got hurt. Um, they don't have that purpose anymore. So it's not just getting a guy out for a weekend and, uh, you know, fishing or hunting or, you know, shooting or whatever in the outdoors and then sending them home. Uh, because that doesn't really accomplish anything other than that two or three days. So we sent them home with a mission through our new ambassador program and um, basically uh, enlist them to be a part of Operation Pay It Forward, reach out to veterans in their community, guys they served with or gals they served with, and create their own events, and then we help fund those events. So essentially allows us to grow without having to add actual, you know, we're all volunteer and I don't want to add salaried positions. That's not going to be something that we ever get into. So it allows them to have one, a new purpose in life, and two, to continue the healing in the outdoors. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's absolutely fantastic. So, so Mike, you were, you were the first guy, uh, first guy to go out. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> it was kind of crazy. Um, so I got injured over in Iraq, uh, finished my last deployment in 2007. Uh, I was hit with some shrapnel. <clears throat> um, and uh, just just peppered. I mean, it wasn't one of those deals, you know. Like everybody thinks, you know, when you get injured with with shrapnel or something, you know, you got big chunks hanging off out of your leg, or you know, your leg's completely ripped off. And and sometimes that does happen. But uh, when you get peppered, it's almost like um, small holes, little black holes, you know. And and um, so anyway, I, I I got injured. I went through uh, limb salvage for years trying to stay in the military. And um, finally, after multiple surgeries, the military just said, you know, we, we can't use you anymore. And they medically retired me um, after 10 years of service. Uh, so I um, continued to go through limb salvage surgery. And finally, in uh, February of 2015, um, I had my leg amputated just because medically there's nothing else that could be done. So February 10th, I had it done, and um, I was going through physical therapy and, and still waiting to get my first prosthetic, <clears throat> and um, I got this phone call just out of the blue, and I normally don't answer the phone if I don't recognize the number, and my wife was with me. I was actually on my way to physical therapy, and uh, my wife, I, I, my phone rings, and my wife goes, you better answer that, and I'm like, well, how do you know who that is, you know? I said, I'm not going to answer. I don't know who it is. She goes, no, you need to answer it. So I answer it, and I find out that, you know, she had been talking to Eric, uh, I don't know, a week or so prior yeah. uh, a few times. And uh, so here's this guy I never met, never heard of him, didn't even know existed. And, and he's like, hey, uh, so do you want to go on a Western-style mule deer hunt in Idaho? And I'm like, what? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Is this for real? I'm like, what's going on, man? Now, and, were you into hunting at all prior to this? Was so this, uh... I, I had just I had just started. Well, I, I was kind of into hunting. I, I tried um, doing some bow hunting and stuff uh, on my own prior to, um, prior to all this a few years um, before everything. And, and um, I, I've always wanted to really get into it, but just never really had the opportunity and the issues with my leg and, and going through the limb salvage surgeries and all that stuff, I was really limited as far as where I could go, how I could hunt, all that stuff. And I thought once I got to Texas, I'd be able to hunt everywhere and anywhere. But, you know, 99.0% of the land out there is, 
is uh, privately owned. So it's hard unless you got, you know, four or five grand to pay for a lease. Um, it's hard to get out and hunt in Texas. So when I got this phone call from Eric, I was like, you know, this is this is awesome. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, what's the catch? You know, what's the catch? And I think at one point I even might have said that to him. And <laughs> yeah, I was trying to sell you that timeshare that I want to get rid of. Was the, right, that was right. the end all be all. <laughs> And you're so, still stuck with that timeshare, yeah, yeah, probably. Right, he, yeah. yeah, he just took the hunt and left me with the timeshare. So, but, you know, it was, uh, it was something that even though, you know, I didn't even have my prosthetic yet. I was two months out of, uh, not even, well, I was just over two months. I yeah. had just gotten my leg. That's what it was. I had just gotten my leg. Um, and I was still learning to walk. And I was like a newborn baby, you know, trying to walk around on this thing um, and figure it out. But, but it, I, I took it as a challenge, you know. I got, and even though I was a little leery of it, I think the, the challenge gave me a lot of motivation to push myself harder through physical therapy. It gave me something to look forward to. You know, this hunt um, took place in, what month was October. it? October. October, yeah, late October, right? Mm-hmm. Mid-October. What what year was this? 2015. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so same year I had my leg amputated. Uh, so it gave me something to look forward to. Eric stayed in constant contact with me. Um, you know, we talked three, four times a week, text messages constantly. Um, and it, it, it just gave me a lot of motivation and drive to push myself harder. So when I finally came time to do the hunt, um, you know, I felt like Eric and I were, were old friends at that point, you know, and nope. I, I came out here to Utah and, and uh, met him at his house and had a barbecue. And he had some um, people that were involved with donations because not only did they get me out hunting, but he completely outfitted me. You know, I had new camo and rifle and, and optics and, and the whole nine. Um, basically everything I would need to duplicate that process with with my family, for myself, or getting other veterans out. Um, so it was just a, it, it was an incredible experience for me because not only during the process of, of the build-up to the hunt was I motivated and driven to get in the best shape I could possibly be to, to be able to get out there and, and hump the mountains in southern Idaho, but when I got actually got out there, um, you know, it allowed me to redefine my physical limits um, because you spend so much time, you know, all the doctors and stuff from the time I got injured, you know, oh, you can't do this anymore, you can't do that anymore. And then when I get my leg amputated, especially at that point, they're like, well, you know, basically you're going to be able to walk from your sofa to, you know, your kitchen for a while, you know, and it's going to take years before you get to the point where you can walk around like in a store or go grocery shopping or something like that. And I was just determined that wasn't going to happen. And and um, being able to get out on that hunt and and hump some of the mountains and and you know do some of the stuff that we did just allowed me to uh, gave me the realization that I can I can, I'm in charge of my of of what happens with me I'm I'm able to define my own limits for myself and not what somebody else is telling me. I feel like the second somebody tells you you can't do something, that's the instant you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> all exactly. right, let's. Uh, Give me a little motivation, and I will prove you wrong yeah. this instant. Yeah. Right here now. It's tough, though. We were into it with a lot of veterans, and they all say the same thing. When you have, like, surgeons and specialists and doctors and family members all telling you the same thing, and you just had a limb amputated, it's hard to overcome that, you know, and you got to have the right environment and the right people motivating you to do that. It's tough for those guys in the place they're in physically and mentally to just overcome all that on their own, you know? Yeah. And so you got to provide the opportunity and, and the, the the method for doing that, or at least the path. And, you know, it's one of the things we focus on with some of the guys that are, that are physically, um, you know, injured that, that come out with us, so. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So explain a little bit more why uh, why hunting and fishing. Uh, I guess you guys do horseback riding too, right? Yeah. Uh, we why, actually, why all of that that kind of environment, the outdoors? Uh, yeah, we actually do. We do uh, basically any outdoor activity. Um, any veteran that might be out there listening or anybody knows one on our website, uh, www.opif4ourvets.org, there's a sign-up sheet, basically an interest form for veterans. And we'll link to, uh, I've got a show notes page for each of these. Uh, it'll be at livingcountryinthecity.com slash four. Cool. I'll link to you guys' website, uh, the forums, everything, cool. so Appreciate people that. can access them really easily. That'd so. be perfect. And so on that form, if they go in there, I think there's 20 different outdoor activities. And we just ask them to select their top five. You know, so they go through in there and select. It just so happens that probably 90% or more select hunting. And when you're dealing with combat veter- veterans, one of the big things, the big voids when you come back is you miss that camaraderie and that brotherhood you have when you're in the field. You know, basically you're, you're living, eating, breathing, fighting right next to all your brothers day in, day out, you know, and, and you build a bond that you can't really replicate anywhere else. But coming back, the outdoors for one is because it's peaceful. You know, I mean, it's hard to be depressed and anxiety when you're in the outdoors, you know, especially yeah. with positive people. I think that's the only time I don't have anxiety right. is when I'm in the outdoors. It's, I mean, in the, in, the, in the civilian world, like in the cities we live in, it's just so much stuff coming at us. It's hard to even stop and think, you know. But the other side of it is, you know, you're sharing a campfire or you're sharing a tent. You know, you're, you have a plan. You know, when you're hunting, you, you come up with a plan. You have a mission, essentially. You're executing a mission with your brothers. Yeah. There's weapons involved. You're pursuing something. It's about as close as that feeling you can get, you know, as when they're over there. Sometimes guys don't even really want to shoot anything, and that's fine. They just want to go through the motions of it, you know, <laughs> and, that's, and that's fine too. You know, some guys aren't really that excited about actually, you know, shooting the animal. That's not a problem. We can go out there for five days and just chase them, you know. <laughs> and, you know, some guys are into fly fishing more. We get guys at different levels of um, um, rehabilitation from a, from a PTSD standpoint, you know. We, quite, we try to vet those guys and make sure we understand where they're at. You know, they're not going to go out on a big game hunt if they, you know, just got out of the VA treatment. You know, we'll do fly fishing trips or horseback riding or whatever it takes. I mean, really, we just try to focus on what's going to impact that individual the most, and then we make that happen. So it's not just a check the box where, okay, here's a hunting trip, here's a vet. Slap them together. You guys go have fun. See you later. You know, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to actually impact these guys in a positive manner, so. That's great. So, do you have any idea? Do you have any numbers on how many how many vets you've taken out, or how many uh, how many trips you guys have taken? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we started. I find the, formed the five hundred one c three in April of twenty sixteen. Um, got the board together. You know, Mike's the vice president. We got a couple other guys. Mike Vanderhoof's on the board, and Jarrett Bickham. We got the board together. We started planning. We didn't have any funds. I mean, the first from his hunt, we had some people donate. Um, and then I did a couple other ones. We took some Marines out on a pheasant hunt. And I just, I found people to pay for it. I paid for it myself. So yeah, we did. We did some stuff. It was just out of pocket. Yeah, and you did some in down in Texas, down yeah. by you too, with Jeff Kruger and those guys. So I mean, 
early on it was just us kind of coming out of pocket, but 2016 as a whole, we were about 25 veterans. And we did one small fundraising event, you know, to try and fund that stuff. But we really try to really try to network and partner with people that really want to help our veterans. It's not only about the money, you know. I mean, I understand if somebody needs their cost covered, you know, I, I get it if you run a business. But we're not looking for someone to say, hey, I'll give you 10% discount and we'll send a vet out, you know. It's, if they don't feel as strongly about our veterans as we do, then we'll look for someone else to partner with so that we can maximize our dollars for our veterans. You know, we don't take any salaries. Everything goes to the programs, but we're trying to, again, impact is the key. So we want to reach as many guys as we can with the dollars we have. And so, you know, we did 25 roughly veterans the last year in a budget of $18,000. <laughs> you know, and a lot of that was a lot of really good people donating time, resources, land, yeah. you know, hunts, guiding, all that kind of stuff. And so we're just, and this year it's going to be a lot bigger because just the network keeps growing. So, well, I mean, I, I really think that's that's so key in what you do is because, especially with stuff like hunting and, and fly fishing, unless you've already been doing it for years, it's not, yeah, you can find cheaper ways to do it, but it's not, even then, it's not the the least expensive hobby, no. uh, right. activity, whatever you want to call it, to get into. Right. I mean, you're, you know, it, it's hard enough to, you know, if you're, if you're experienced at it to, to figure out, unless you're experienced at it, to figure out where to start, sure. what you need to buy. You know, that it's just, it's, it's one more, one more excuse, one more obstacle to not. And that's where we'd rather spend our couch. dollars, honestly. I mean, if I got to pay for something, I'd rather pay for a, a fly rod and reel combo for a guy than pay an outfitter 500 bucks. Right. You know what I mean? Because he can use that. I mean, we focus on a life-changing experience, not a cool weekend, you know? <laughs> so if a guy goes out and he shows interest in fly fishing, well, here's a rod and reel combo. Hey, guess what? A couple of weeks we're going to have a fly tying kit showing up. Hey, they're doing fly tying classes at the DAV on Thursday nights. Let's go check it out. You know, so it's, it's not just, hey, you have a cool weekend, go back to your couch and good luck with your life. You know, because that's, in a lot of ways, if you're a veteran, you, you think through that process, that's almost more depressing. Mm-hmm. To understand there's something out there that you enjoy, but you don't feel like you have the means to do it. You know, so that's where we try to fill that gap. And that's with the that's something rate. that really I think separates us from a lot of the other organizations out there. Is you know they don't they they spend a lot of time focusing on you know let's t- let's spend a weekend with them or let's do a trip with them for a, a week long trip or whatever. But after that, what happens? They they go back home. They're back on the couch, and that almost initiates even a, a further deeper depression. Mm-hmm. You know, they they get out. They have a great time. They feel liberated. They're motivated when they get home, and then it's like a smack in the face, you're back to reality, nothing's changed. So by by empowering these guys to get out and continue the mission, whether whether it's, you know, like Eric talked about, give them a fly rod and, and, and uh, you know, a fly tying kit or something where they could work on themselves to, to improve themselves and, and get out and do something along with the uh, ambassador program where, okay, now, we, uh, now I've done a trip. I, I know what it's like. I see the changes that it's done in me. Let me reach out to somebody else in my community and try and do that same thing. You know, it's, it's just the empowerment of it. We don't want to do a weekend trip and send them home and never talk to them again. These guys literally become... OPAF, you know, family members, you know, we're, we're all brothers and every guy that we've had out on hunts, we, we talk to on a regular basis, you know, we get text messages or phone calls and we do the same with them. And so we focus on, um, you know, the long-term end of it, like Eric was saying, you know, that's, that's the priority for us. And really trying to impact the, the ambassador program was kind of twofold. One, it was trying to get these guys a new mission. So 
they felt like they were serving their brothers again. The other side of that is reaching the guys. I mean, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And that's, a, that's actually a low estimate. That's probably not even right. It's higher than that. But those guys that are in that place are not going to take a call from me. They don't know me. They're not going to take a yeah. call from Mike. They're not going to answer a Facebook ad or post or any of that kind of stuff. But they'll talk to a guy that they served with. You know, so if we say, hey, you guys are ambassadors now. You went through this program. You know what it does. Go back and don't just find any old buddy. You know, look for the guys that need it. You know, what we're trying to do is impact the guys. We'll, we'll, we'll take anybody because we want them to be part of the family. But it, search for the guys that are in that place where they need that help because it's really hard to reach them. There's usually only one or two people that can actually get someone like that to actually do something like we're doing. So, again, it's, it's about the impact side of it, not just checking the box and saying, hey, we did a hunt, slap each other on the back and did a good job and let's move on, you know. You know, and I, I really think that's what makes your the program so powerful. It's, it's really, it's, it's not about the hunting or fishing or horseback no. riding. It's... It, it's really about it's it's helping people heal. It's yeah. helping it save lives. Saving lives. That's really the bottom what it line. Comes down to. Yep. That's the bottom line. And, and you know, and, and and we get to you know, there's guys out there that are are so deep that you know we can't reach them right now. So, or or we have guys that you know that go home and, and say, hey, you know, I've been trying to get this veteran out, but he's just too deep in depression, and and you know, he's in a, such a dark place. There's nothing that. That he'll that will you know that he's doing right now to respond or whatever. So you know we uh, we partner up with people all the time. We network with people all the time. And and uh, one of the newest networks that we have going into uh, 2017 is um, Dr. Brian out of the University of Utah here in Salt Lake, who's developed a a PTSD program. And he developed this actually as an active duty soldier um, over over in Iraq. Um, as a clinical psychologist, he developed this program that um, has, had, has a 75% cure rate, cure for PTSD. Wow. Not, a, not feeling better, but a cure rate for PTSD in two weeks, a two-week program. So uh, we've partnered up with him, and, and we're going to help promote and push that program, help refer veterans over to it because, you know, we got it. You know, going out and hunting and fishing is not the end-all, be-all, and, and you're fixed, and, and you're never going to have issues again. You know, that's not going to stop the nightmares. That's not going to stop the anxiety. So it's important for us that we have these, these other avenues and these other, this other partnership with people like Dr. Bryant that, you know, we can refer these guys to to, to get the help that we can't provide. So we yeah. get that it's, it's not just the outdoors that's part of the process that's part of the empowerment but for the guys that really need it we make sure we got the other the other um networks and and programs in place that we can we can send them to well you know you're coming at it from such a holistic angle with that it's you know you're not just you're not just focusing on the physical aspect you're not just focusing on the mental or the camaraderie aspect it's just you need all of that to come together well, to really get someone to heal or in any situation. Or even from an organizational aspect. I mean, we've run into, when I first started doing this on my own, I reached out to other veteran organizations just to get a feel for, you know, how do you do fundraising? I hadn't done any of this stuff. You know, I just <laughs> decided to do it one day. I didn't know how to do it. So I reached out to other organizations and started talking to people. And what I found out right away is that some of the organizations, and I'm not, you know, anybody that's helping out veterans in any capacity is good, but some of the organizations get kind of more focused on what I call like empire building. You know, they're making it more like a corporation in that they want it to be their flag, their program, their name on it. You know, this, and I'm like, they want a dog and pony our vets. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, and some of them are, you know, sometimes it goes down to the ground level and the guy running the event. And if he's a great guy, then it, it's a good experience. But 
we're not interested in that. You know, I, we network with other veterans, share resources. Uh, Field of Dreams out in California has been doing it for 13 years. Great guys and gals. And we've done a couple of joint events with them. Uh, Hunts for the Brave here in, in uh, Salt Lake City, uh, John Leonard and Garth Hardy. Great guys. You know, there's some down in Texas. Life and Liberty Outdoors Life and in Liberty. Texas. And there's, there's, there's several of them, and as we come across them that are like-minded, it just allows us to network more. I mean, we had a – Field of Dreams had a hunt last year that was uh, – they had booked four veterans – and it's some, for some reason, two weeks is the magic number. Two weeks before, <laughs> guys always bail. And yeah. So they had a veteran back out. And, uh, you know, since we do a lot of networking through the veteran community, they're like, hey, do you have anybody that wants to do this? Well, it's in Canada. You need a passport. <laughs> and you got to be able to leave in 10 days. <laughs> and you're going to be gone for, what was it, 10-day hunt? Yeah, it was a 10-day hunt for black bear in Canada. So, Ooh, you know, it's a like, nice hunt right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of things. Though, it's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to go. Oh, I don't have a passport. Or, you know, I don't have this. Or, you know, a guy's like, oh, I love to go, oh, I have child support and I can't leave the country or something like that. You know, yeah. there's all kinds of things in 10 days. You just, so we found, or Mike found a guy in, I think, two days, you know, infantry veteran out of Kansas. And he's like, I've always dreamed of doing a black bear hunt. He had the time of his life, you know. He, I mean, he went out there, he had yeah. the time of his life, shot a big old boar. And so the other side of that is when you reach out to people and say, can you please help our veterans? And they provide resources. You have to utilize those resources responsibly. Um, from their aspect, they're looking at it like I'm giving, and if they don't feel like their giving is either appreciated or it's not being utilized fully, then they stop giving. And to me, that hurts the veteran community as a whole. So, you know, if there's openings or gaps or whatever, other organizations, you know, we're trying to utilize everything we can to make sure that, one, all the veterans, as many veterans are getting help as we can, and that the people providing the resources don't give up on us. So, Well, you know, you just hear so many horror stories about, about any any organizations, any nonprofit organizations, right. you hear, you know, you, you see these breakdowns about where your money goes or, yep. you know. $400,000 for a salary for the CEO and, yeah. you know, it's stuff just, like that. <laughs> you know, and and they may have started with the, all of the best intentions, but it's sure. easy for them to get bogged down in the red tape yep. and in the, sure. the corporate atmosphere. And that's yep. one thing that's really awesome about what you guys do is you, you're not adding those paid positions. You're you're able to kind of infinitely expand the organization, but you're doing it through just this natural way of other veterans right. and, and word of mouth. Yeah, and just and we got a lot of volunteers that are civilians that, that just care. Yeah. You know, that when we call and say, you know, like we just had our annual banquet, we call and say, hey, you know, we, we need help with, you know, getting uh, people to donate items for an auction or we need help get with centerpieces or, you know, getting the stuff set up or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like we, we call them and they jump. Yep. You know, so it's just it's just bottom line. It's just good, good, caring people that that well, legitimately care about our veterans. I think what you said about the nonprofit, I actually thought really hard about that when I formed this, and I hesitated in the beginning. That's really why I didn't want to form a, a nonprofit in the beginning to be at all, because there's always that trap. And I worked for a very large corporation and ran a big portion of it, and it's it's really easy to start thinking in terms of percentages instead of dollars, and. Um, it's really easy to say, well, you know, my salary is only 5% of what we got, but it's $400,000. What can you do with $400,000 to help yeah. our veterans? That's a lot of money. We can do know, a lot so, for years. Yeah. <laughs> 400 Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those things that ethically it's a hard line to walk, you know, and I didn't even want to put myself there. You know, I feel like I'm a pretty ethical guy. I'm a veteran. I want to help our veterans, but I didn't even want to put myself in that position where, where you're walking a line where you're raising funds for an organization, but you're also taking a salary. And I'm not saying all the, everybody that does it's bad, but 
it's too it's too hard of a line to walk and still keep your focus on your mission in my mind and so when i wrote the bylaws it's you know no salaries no paid positions anybody that's looking for that is welcome to go somewhere else um you know but the other side of that coin is how do you keep expanding well we have full-time jobs you know so it's like how do you we did 25 events last year maxed us out you know i mean for us it is tough to do we're all over different states and so that's again kind of one of the other things behind the ambassador program that really helps us out because we can continue to expand and continue to help our veterans in multiple ways but we don't have to add paid positions we don't have to physically be there at every event you know we can provide the resources and the support and the funding you know through a lot of good people that help us out and uh and, and still grow so that's kind of the the overreaching um thought behind the process with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So now I know, uh, you know, every, every event, every trip, every hunt is, is unique, is special. Um, do you guys have any particular trips that really stood out to you, though, like... Uh, something funny happened or just something you really enjoyed or was really impactful for you I know guys. mine was. What was yours? I, w- I would have to say the uh, Jack over at the uh, Drop Time Ranch in Texas. Yeah. So we did, a, uh, we did a vet where we partnered up with another organization, like-minded organization out of Texas, uh, Life and Liberty Outdoors. And um, I was able to basically fill four slots with, with some veterans that we have to go do a hunt at a high-fence ranch out there that's full of exotics. And, uh, I mean, just an incredible hunt. So we, we get these four vets out there, and one of them, uh, his name is Jack Williams. Um, we brought him in from uh, Kentucky, and he's a triple amputee, uh, both legs and one arm. Uh, he has his uh, left arm, is the only thing that's left. And uh, this guy came in, and, and, you know, I was really a little concerned about, you know, how, how are we going to get this guy out? to hunt um and how we're going to get them to to drop a nice exotic you know triple amputee i mean it's just difficult um so not not only did you know did he come out motivated and stuff but he wanted to bow hunt (laughs) so i mean (laughs) yeah and here's this guy i mean he's just got the the best attitude most positive attitude in the world you know he's just one of those guys that just feels blessed to you know to to be awake every day you know and, and be on the earth another day and so we got him out, and uh, he, he shot a, a beautiful um, uh, white fallow, uh, full velvet, I mean a trophy animal, uh, shot it with his bow. And I remember him coming back um, over to the lodge after he shot it, and they, they got him in this big lifted-up F-350, you know, the, the ranch truck. And we're literally picking him up and putting him in and out of the seat into a tractor that we had out there for him. And when they pull up the, the front the front passenger door flies open and he comes diving out of there like this combat roll and I thought he <laughs> fell but he's he lands on the ground and he's hooting and hollering doing like these one hand of cartwheels and I mean and just just going absolutely crazy and just just to experience that you know just to yeah. see what that that experience did for him and and just how much he appreciated it and how much he got out of it I mean 
for me, you know, I, I tell the guys all the time, you know, they're like, oh, thanks, you know, we appreciate you guys getting us out and doing this stuff. I'm like, hey, I got to be honest with you, man. You know, I, I think I get more out of this than you guys do, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's got to be such a valuable, like I said, experience for you as well, seeing, yeah. I, I mean, as you were saying, when you, when you give, anybody gives, you know, you, you do want to see that it's going towards something valuable. And when you're yeah. able to get that experience and see those reactions from people, well, I mean, that's a huge reward for you guys. And when it's you see be. it, like stuff like that, like Mike just talked about, it helps you give perspective, everybody perspective, civilians, everybody, on what's really important in life and what's really not, you know. I mean, I was going through some just crazy times at work when I started started doing this, like actually started the 501c3. And, you know, I would be working 10 or 12-hour days, and then at night for three or four hours I'd be working on this stuff. You know, and, and uh, I wasn't tired in the morning. You know, it's like... It's one of those things where I think the the saying goes, you know, working hard on something you don't want to do is stress. Working hard on something you're passionate about is is commitment. You know, it's it's not stressful. You know, and so, but it helps you kind of get a refocus on what's important. You know, when you deal with guys like like Mike and Jack, and you know, guys that have every reason in the world to be down or whatever, and then they're the most positive person in the world. Then you start thinking about your own problems. It's like, oh yeah, I had to work freaking twelve hours, and I had to deal with that jackass, that blah 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 at work. You know, it's like. Who cares? You know, let it let it go. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Let it go. In the grand scheme of things, that's not a big deal. You know, um, I know the the hunt that I remember is actually the one we just did recently. Um, we had a guy who was a combat engineer, and he volunteered to drive the route clearance vehicles like all the time. So he got blown up three times in his vehicle uh, doing route clearance, and one of the times just completely mangled and flipped over the husky he was driving and broke his back and. Had some other issues, and he's actually still um, active duty. He's not a veteran, which for us is we take out both. doesn't really matter to us. But um, And so he'd never actually been big, big game hunting before. So our board member, Mike Vanderhoof, has a 7,000-acre ranch here in Utah and tons of mountain lions on it in the wintertime when the elk migrate through. And he runs hounds and all that. So we took him up there, and it was snowing so much this year. We were trying to – we were going to do it later in the, the in January, but – it was getting so deep, we were afraid they were all going to, all the elk and everything were going to leave. So we went out there, and the day we picked, we were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get out there. Um, they showed up, I think, on a Thursday. I showed up on Friday. And uh, it's like four feet of snow, negative 22 degrees. And we find a cat track and let those hounds go. And, I don't know, 30 minutes later, 3.3 miles away, up and over and down through three canyons, they tree the, they tree the lion. And Ooh. so we start busting track through the snow, and it's like, you know, it's up to your waist in some <laughs> spots. I don't know, we went maybe a quarter mile, and I was looking back, and I was originally busting track, and, you know, and, and Kelly was kind of falling behind, and just went back and talked to him, like, you okay, man? You know, because, you, you know, he hurt him. I mean, he had a broken back and stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, you know, and you could tell he was kind of hurting, you know, sucking wind. And then we get, like, half the way to the hounds, and this – no, it took us, I think, four hours to get to the hounds. We get halfway there, and he can start hearing the hounds. And all of a sudden, he's like, he's like a new man. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, I was like, where did Kelly go? Oh, he's out in the front of the whole everybody. <laughs> you know, he's, he hears the hounds, and you can't stop him. He's going. So, you know, and then, you know, to me was we got to the lion. It jumped. We retreat it. You know, just physically exhausting hunt. We, we take this line. He's super stoked. We get it all skinned out. I pack the meat. He packs the hide. You know, he's carrying the hideout on, on his own pack with his broken back. And, and he's one of the first guys back to the truck. And I was, another guy that we had with us was kind of trailing, so I was hanging back with him. 
and we get down to the final stretch, and here comes Kelly back up the trail through the snow, asking us if we need help. Wanting to you grab know? packs and stuff. And he's like, hey, man, let me grab your pack. You know, I'm like, Holy I'm like, man. I'm good, dude, but that, he probably needs, <laughs> you might need to carry him, you know? <laughs> but uh, he did. He goes, then he goes back in and helps that guy. And that's just the, to me, that just embodies the mind of a soldier. You know, I mean, whether it's Marine or Army, it doesn't matter. I mean, you sacrifice for your guys. You don't give up. You know, you, the mental toughness and, the, and you don't let the environment beat you down. And that kind of embodied it all in that one hunt. I mean, we were out, I think, for 11 hours. We all each had, like, one bottle of water and, like, I think a jerky. And that was it. You know, <laughs> we left and got back I, after I, dark. I, I don't have to do any work, and I'd be dragging after that. So that <laughs> <laughs> only having it, that. Yeah, it, it, was, it was brutal. But when you look back on something like that, it's like, man, that was awesome, you know. Awesome. But, you know, there, cool. there's so, I mean, every hunt, every hunt, there's moments that just, yeah. you know, stick out in your mind and, and that are just incredible. That, that kind of aha moment where you see the, the veteran just kind of go through this mental, physical, and emotional change. It's like flipping, I mean, right in yeah. front of you. You know, so it's yeah. almost like a Jekyll and Hyde scenario. Yeah. You know, they, they come in and they're, they're quiet and they're, you know, reserved and they're kind of in the back of, of, of the room or in the corner yeah. or whatever by themselves. And, a couple days into it and these guys are just fired up and motivated and and you know we did a we did an elk hunt with a veteran um that uh got blown up and broke his back and and uh his traumatic brain injury was so bad that he has really really hard seizures i mean he can't drive anymore uh he has to have a service dog with him in case he goes down for a seizure the dog actually goes and gets help i mean um and we did an elk hunt with him in northern arizona and uh you know th- these moments of watching him take you know fistful of medications i I had to drive him up because he couldn't fly because of the the change of air pressure would trigger seizures so we drove him from uh houston to northern arizona and just during the drive hey pull over i'm gonna get sick you know i'm dizzy i'm having mild seizures so we're up in uh, on a week-long elk hunt and about three four days into it i look at him i'm like hey dude you're doing you're doing pretty good you know i haven't seen you get sick in a while he says you know what i haven't taken medication in two days (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's at first I'm a little concerned, like you know, yeah. so, is that a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then you know, I see him out there in the field, you know, and we're we're chasing bugles and we're calling, and you know, I see he talks about this experience where he's laying in a prone and there's like 20 elk in front of him and we're calling, and this bull comes up and it's so close that the bull's screaming and spitting. He, he said I could see the muscles in the back of his throat. I could Man. smell his breath. He's spitting on me. Almost <laughs> stepped on him, you know. And uh, just to, to to hear him talk about that experience and just to see the, the physical and emotional change that he's gone through for the better, obviously, you know, th- those are the moments that just stick with you. And, and, you know, when we have those rough days, it's like, you know, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I'm rushing to try and find a, a vet to get this hunt done or you know, we're we're trying to make sure he's got everything he needs for the hunt, and you know, it's worth it. You know, that's 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 why when I say you know that we get more out of it than they're ever gonna get. That's those are the moments for me that just like this yep. is it. Yeah. Well, that is that's so exciting, and I mean, I look around at the pictures. You know, we're we're here in the booth, and and they've got pictures up here of a lot of the hunts and a lot of the activities, and these guys, you can just see it in their eyes. It's you know, there's just this like shine in all their eyes and their smiles. And uh, it's it's really impressive. So, so what can people do? Uh, somebody's listening and, and wants wants to get involved, wants to help. What? How can people get involved? So there's two ways, really. So when I started doing this in the beginning, I found a lot of people wanted to help, but they wanted to physically help. 
you know, they want to, they didn't want to, a lot of people don't want to just write a check and send it off, you know, and, and we get that. And those, those people we need as well. So really two ways. I mean, if it's a dollars thing, um, I mean, we're obviously always trying to raise funds. The ambassador program is something that is going to blow up really fast. And as these guys set up more events, you know, we're going to start running low on funds pretty quick. Um, and we don't want to slow them down. We don't want to give them the mission and say, go do this. And they go all out and do it. And then we say, oh, sorry, we ran out of money. You know, <laughs> we'll have to wait till later, you know. So <clears throat> donating money is a big thing. You can go straight to the website and click the donate button. Um, you know, obviously it's tax deductible or 501c3. So they get receipts for that. The other way is on that same website, there's a donor form. Um, it's a donor interest form. So if somebody wants to physically do something, set up an event, volunteer for an event, they can click on that and fill out all their information. That comes directly to us. And then we have that information. So then we reach out to them and say, okay, you know, what aligns with what veterans we have or what events we already have going on? And so that's really the two biggest ways that uh, people can help. Um, and as we grow, we're going to need a lot more volunteer help for just everything. I mean, we're a four-person board, <laughs> you know, and that's, it's just... There's, it's a lot of work, so we're going to need good, committed people to help us with everything. So, and we've got we've got the adventure theater here in the back yeah. uh, with some coyotes going. I, I think we're doing we're doing turkey calls or coyote calls. Uh, a little, little of each, a little bit of everything. We had <laughs> yeah. a not really sure. A ago. Well, I will make sure uh, to get all of those pages linked on the show notes page. Uh, cool. Do you guys have social media set up? Anything yeah. like that? Yeah, find us on Facebook and Instagram. So OPIF for our vets. And that's the number four. Yeah, yeah. number four, correct. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. We'll link so to that as well. go on there and like us and share if you would. I mean, a lot of it is even if you're not a veteran and you're not even really interested in helping, it kind of helps reach other people, you know, when you, when you share that stuff. And I've had some people that reached out, veterans that reached out that said, hey, my sister's cousin's brother shared this thing and I saw it, you know. So a lot of it's, you know, not necessarily marketing for dollars, but really we're marketing for veterans to find the ones that, that really need the help. So yeah. anybody that can get involved and share that helps us a lot. That's fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, really excited to get this out, uh, get more people learning about the program. Yeah, thank um, you, man. Talk to you guys soon. Ah, we, we appreciate you having us, yep. Sam. Thanks, brother. Take care. Hey, all that's going to do it for this episode of Living Country in the City. Make sure you check out the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash four. Also, search for Living Country in the City on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. While you're there, make sure to leave us a good review. And in the meantime, stay country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com.